listens to episode number 33 of Ice Cave Radio. Flake here. <laughs> Just I look, Flake here, Charmer here. Um Doa's still traveling. We miss you yeah. so dearly because Doa Doa is still waiting for the rounds to pair. No, I'm not. Never mind. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> We're not going to be mean to other people's experiences, but this is the fourth podcast. I think that I record in like the span of two or three days. Um, and then I go to tomorrow is like editing, publishing, all that stuff. Uh, it's been it's been a busy kind of thing, so I'm kind of like my whole head is spinning when it comes to recording stuff, and that's okay because I love this and I choose to do this. I love it with all my heart, and it is um, it is Ice Cave Radio. I almost said the W word. It's Ice Cave Radio. Flake here to bring you all of the Star Wars Unlimited news, headlines, decks, uh, spoilers, discussion about not just Star Wars Unlimited, but also all Star Wars card games, because that's what we do. And I'm joined by one of my best friends in the whole wide world, Derek Oswald, a.k.a. Charmer. I was going to say, I thought you said Doa was gone this week. Uh, Deleting, like, one of my best friends in the whole wide world. I know that's not me. But... It is you. It is definitely okay. you. But welcome, uh, friends. I, I love you too, buddy. Listen, we have a great episode, I think, because we can finally talk about the thing. I know we've been teasing fun stuff was coming, but... Today, so we're recording this as of January 31st. It is 8.42 p.m. Eastern time where I'm at, and the news is finally out, and that is, of course, the Star Wars Unlimited Community Celebrational, so we're going to dive into that as our main topic, but before we do that, we're, of course, going to cover card reveals, and before that, we're going to do our Cave Poll of the Week. The Cave Poll of this week charmer is a different flavor than what i'm used to putting out there i didn't consult you i didn't consult doa i just fired it off and i think that it was a good one it was my friends <laughs> very simple as i scroll down to find it where the hell did, did it go mace windu survive his confrontation with palpatine there and i go. actually adore this poll this is right up my alley perfect uh, perfect and I wanted to, this is very simple. It's yes or it's no. Um, and frankly, part of this was because we, were, we got a question last week, which was, hey, is he a land unit? Is he a this unit? Is he alive? Is he a leader? What's going on? Where's he at? And I was trying to frame it, Charmer, from a perspective of, okay, did he, like, is he alive? But alive in what time frame? Because, you know, we don't know where we're at in the time frame. It bounces forward. It bounces backwards in terms of, canonically I, I my initial draft of this was is mace windu alive when a new hope begins and then i just changed it to did he survive the encounter with sidious slash palpatine and i think that was the fairer one to do and i will say this i am surprised at the results but i want to hear what your answer was first you know my answer was a hard yes because it's my favorite fan theory, I think, in all of Star Wars, because I think that it would be such a cool story to tell. We talked about this, you know, a bit, I think, even on last week's podcast. So I'm a hard yes. I've been thinking about it even more since the last time we talked about it. Now, I will fully admit, I have not consumed 
every piece of Star Wars content that there is to consume. I have not read every book. I have not read all of the comics. Actually, comics might be my my weakest point, but I have read some of them, um, et cetera, et cetera. But I had this thought. I was like, man, of all the stuff that I have seen, the one thing that jumps out to me as I think about this whole, like, did May survive thing or not, is that we've never seen him as a force ghost. That's like, a very good point. Obviously, we've seen Obi-Wan. Uh, we've seen Yoda and then, like, Luke in the, you know, 789 movies. Qui-Gon. We've seen Qui-Gon, right? Uh, Anakin. But I haven't seen Mace Windu. Now, you could argue, okay, well, he didn't learn it or whatever, but Qui-Gon was obviously working with Mace, and Qui-Gon's the one who... <laughs> developed it and supposedly handed it off so you make him sound like puff daddy well he was working with mace and they had the family and collab he was he was featured on the (laughs) on the qui-gon album if you will so all i'm saying is that one i think it's a great story but also the more i think about it we didn't see a body he's one of the most powerful jedi if darth maul can be cut in half and come back why not mace but also i've never seen a force ghost and so that has been nagging at me for a bit. I could be wrong. It might be some obscure thing. If you have seen it in a piece of Star Wars literature or whatever, then tweet it at me, send it to me. But I'm going with, yes, he survived. I If it exists, I have not seen it. You're correct. However, they have just launched a Marvel comic series, a Mace Windu one, where I last week predicted that it would end with you finding out that he survived. Um, I believe he did. And for the same reason that Obi-Wan Kenobi can ride the Krell or whatever or not or whatever that um that that um golden retriever lizard thing is get blasted by artillery fire fall god knows how much and then still survive I think that Mace Windu a significantly more powerful Jedi can also survive the amount of high altitudes that Jedi fall from and survive because they just cushion their fall or, or slow their fall with the force as they land it's it's obvious that if he just jumped out of that window he would have survived unless he gets nailed by a passing car flying car or whatever i believe that sidious did not kill him i do not believe that i believe he's alive at the end of rise of skywalker and like we discussed last week we don't need to get into the nitty-gritty. If you want to hear that whole discussion, go back to last week's episode. But he he laid low in the same vein that um, Obi-Wan laid low, that Yoda laid low, which was, like, we're going to hide. We're going to chill out. <laughs> same thing with Luke. Luke laid low and hid and whatever. And that's fine. Yeah. And I think that that's the case. What are the results, though? Because I cannot find, for the life of me, the actual poll now. Yeah. I gotcha. So in the yes category, we had 54.9% of the vote. No was 45.1. So this was actually very close. And I will be honest, I'm surprised the yes is one because normally when I mention this, people tell me I'm crazy. So I'm glad that, you know, slightly more than half of you out there are conceding to my madness. Yeah, I'm 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 surprised that it was this not that it not just that it won but it was 
well, I mean, surprised that it won, but like I thought it was going to be like a 20-80 split here. I generally do. And part of that would have been people just suspecting that he just died. And the other saying, I kind of hope he did. And I'm, I think he lived, but I hope he died. Does that make sense? And that's a very yeah. awful thing to say, but it is what it is. But at the same time, when you use your, again, suspend all disbelief, it's fantasy, it's science fiction, etc. Given the 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 who he is and what he's capable of it doesn't make sense that he died there it i'll say this i am fine if he is actually dead because i think that uh, you know again it, giving somebody some sort of like final moment is important i also think that it, it in many ways it also solidifies the rise of palpatine by knocking off somebody like a mace windu so like i'm fine if he's truly dead but, you know, you're right. You're talking about suspension and disbelief and all of that. But in my head, I'm like, it's actually harder for me to believe he's dead than it is alive because all the evidence laid out kind of supports him being alive somewhere. <laughs> That's right. And the extra evidence you talk about it before Ghost and this and that. And I get it. Like, you know, um, Yoda learned how to communicate, th you know, through death and taught it to Qui-Gon and all this other nonsense. I say nonsense, but y you're right. And let's be real. When it comes to being a badass just survivability style jedi he was possibly the goat mace windu was the ultimate jedi warrior like he was pretty much unbeatable in combat he proved it he whooped ass and my suspicion is is that through his training and through his ascension to jedi master and sitting and almost running the council practically that he was probably tossed out of some freaking windows along the way and it's no it's it's no big deal i i guarantee you it's no big deal so i'm gonna say that yes he's alive to my own dismay but it makes sense that he's alive but what has he done in that case i would love to see a side arc where he's in hiding and he gets he gets killed in some other way and that's I... perfectly fine I know I talked about it last week and I talked about that fun arc. That's the, you know, the trope that's based on the historical Japanese soldier that kept fighting world war yeah. two for yeah, like decades yeah. after. So I love that. But in this moment, I just realized there's another way I kind of would love to see him come back just because when I think about Sam Jackson and his portrayal of Mace Windu, this is what I want, right? Whether it's in Ahsoka, a future movie, or whatever, right? There's a new big bad. It's the new Vader. There's always got to be something. It was Vader. It was Kylo, right? It's the right. new, like, dark, cloaked, masked figure. And then after a fight, he gets the, the Vader treatment. Half the mask comes off, and it's Mace. He got thrown out the window. He was so angry and so consumed by his rage for missing that Palpatine was right under his nose for losing a battle because he just doesn't do it, that that's why he went into hiding because he went to the dark side to be, it starts from a place of good, right? He's like, I'm going to have to be more powerful to take down Palpatine. And then he just goes dark. And when he comes back, it's as the villain. And that's the big reveal. I will also accept that as an arc. Okay. Uh, and I like that arc. The only thing, the only flaw here is in uh, like, if it was something of another Jedi, like Obi-Wan or whatever, where you're like, he you're right he he gets the real oh my god i i can't believe that this was happening under my nose i can't believe that i lost anakin to the dark side i can't believe i lost a battle a fight that i should have won and he there's rage that builds up there's you know embarrassment there's jealousy there's all this stuff so he hides in order to prevent himself from 
being a nuisance. Maybe he just he just chucks himself to another dimension or another galaxy, as we have now seen, is capable with these space whales. But ultimately, the flaw in that is that part of his prowess with a lightsaber is using a style of lightsaber combat that kind of taps into that anger and rage and and, and channels a little bit of the dark side. So I don't think that he would be too afraid of dark side-esque type of feelings and influences given the fact that part of his prowess with the lightsaber is right yeah so i don't think that he's afraid of the dark side i think he's afraid of being bested and so he taps into it further so i think that's actually the window for that arc right his thing he's like okay like it didn't work out let we have to go deeper right like we have to tap that dangerous battery a little bit more next time and then it starts to consume him well like i'll be (laughs) honest i just want to see sam jackson show up and be the villain because i think that that would just be so charismatic on the other end of the spectrum you know he steals the show plus frankly if anybody's gonna be able to sell the line tap that it's definitely sam jackson yeah all right so there are your results ladies and gentlemen for the uh the cave pool of the week cave polls available every sunday we hope we try our best uh, it's usually Monday, but check out us uh, on Sundays anyways at Ice Cave Radio on Twitter. You guys can go ahead and contribute to the poll. Let's get to the headlines. And there were some pretty significant ones, Charmer, um, that all center around basically a stream that occurred today. Today being January 31st when we record this. It's a shade before 9 p.m. Eastern time. So keep that in mind. But this stream was such that they kind of broke down what the pre-release situation was going to be. And then we dug into a lot of the tentacles that kind of are brought forth from pre-release events and all that stuff. And there were some really cool tidbits here. But um, I do want to talk quickly about the pre-release, the events, and all that stuff, which are taking place, I think, the first weekend of March. March 1st, I think, is what they said on the stream. Um, And that makes sense. That's the Friday before release. So uh, depending on your local story, they might run stuff on Friday, Saturday or Sunday. I would imagine they give them the whole window. But, you know, March 1st is going to be our, you know, drop day, if you will. And I'm really looking forward to it. And that is, you know, again, it's January 31st. So that is a month from tomorrow. A month from tomorrow. I can't wait, man. It's crazy. We're we're already there. I'm exceptionally excited because and look, I just came off of a Lorcana podcast of all things where we talked about Star Wars Unlimited, not because I brought it up, because they brought it up through their own excitement. This is a game that at its fundamental levels people are hyped about. And when you say hype and you say Lorcana, those kind of go hand in hand, but people are kind of coming off of it and realizing that at the end of the day, this is probably a superior game and again i'm just everybody's allowed to like what they want and this is not me taking shots at other games this is me me merely saying that a lot of people are seeing both and preferring this and that's okay the hype is definitely there um one thing about the stream that concerned me and i would be i wouldn't be a responsible dare i say journalist which i'm not if i didn't mention (laughs) i know i uh if I did not mention that the one of the concerns being the curling of the leader foils from the pre-release packs, this is something that you, me, we've played card games and paper card games forever. One of the things about foils 
is that nobody wants them anymore because they are unplayable. And when I say unplayable, it's that you can be disqualified from tournaments for having curled cards. You have to go through deck checks and have cards either replaced or proxied. This is a true thing. Um, I've been at tournaments. I've cast the tournaments in Flesh and Blood where there has been plenty of hubbub about this kind of stuff. It sucks, but that's how it goes. Now, that said, these are leader cards. They exist on the board as it is. There's there's no advantage you get from knowing where that card is because you know where it starts. Not to mention the cards that came out of the packs from the pre-release look nice and clean. So I just wanted to throw it out there that that's something that we're, we want to keep an eye on because I have seen magic get tossed through the ringer because their foils were absolute just complete ass. Uh, Flesh and Blood had some bad printings of some curling foils that were very unfortunate. And then I look back, Charmer, at Star Wars CCG foils, and I still have some that have just been sitting out, and they are flat as a pancake, baby. Where did that technology go? I don't know. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I made it to my LGS this week, actually, for an armory, and I, I was a shocked to find out that not only was I at an armory, but they were sorting bulk. <laughs> they had like a bunch of boxes and it was all Star Wars CCG Decipher, baby. I was like, oh man, what do you got there? Did you go through it? Tell me you went through it. I, I They were still doing their sorting, but I immediately said, hey, look, if you are like sorting this to sell or get rid of it or whatever, like you let me know. I, I know several people yes. that are absolutely yes. interested. And he was like, well, I don't know if anything's playable. I was like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. You don't understand. Like, I oh. know a guy who sends them out with Christmas cards every year. It yes. will find a home of somebody who loves it. So uh, I will keep you posted. But I I was very excited about that. And you are correct. Those those cards hold up. Uh, I don't I don't know what was in the technology back then, but it's they, incredible. They kind of stand the test of time. I will say. One, I think your concerns are very well-founded, right? Uh, obviously, for competitive play, the curling of foils is potentially problematic. We have seen it in other games. You have to assume it would impact this game as well because of the marked card issue, as you said. Um, I am reserving the right to continue to be optimistic on uh, this point for a couple of reasons, though. So obviously, this was a pre-release kit. Uh, I don't know if this was you know, part of the wave that was printed for all pre-release kits, or if this is something that they've had in house for some time, right? So this could have been something that's been sitting around that studio for forever. Who knows how it was kept or cared for it or blah, blah, blah. Um, also the, the major curling was on leader cards. And while that still sucks, especially if you're the person who owns it, uh, those aren't going to be marked cards. You don't shuffle those in. It's more of a concern when it's cards that are being shuffled in. So not that that is any excuse for card quality. I'm just saying like it's not as bad if we see it on the leader cards, but the other stuff is crisp like we saw in the packs because the foils that they put on the stream from the packs did look fine. Now, there's also the old test of time, right? You know, maybe they're fine coming out of the pack and then, you know, they, they curl after the fact. Now, if you're listening and you don't understand you know, why this even happens. Um, most of the cards that are printed in foil have like a, a layer of the foiling in them in the, just the way that the card is created. Like it's part of the entire thing. And 
it's almost kind of got like a plastic consistency and it's done at a certain like temperature and humidity. And so when you get your cards and they are released to the open air over time, if where you live is of a drastic temperature and humidity difference, they will curl as a result. And they will also like curl in different directions. Like you can see photos online from, you know, other games and other cards where somebody will be like, I live, you know, in the northern hemisphere and my card curls like this. And it's almost like a joke, right? It's like, oh, my toilet flushes backwards, yeah. in, you know, south. And it's but it's the same thing. Right. And then you'll have some people who are like mine never curl, but they might be at the exact temperature and humidity of wherever the cards are printed from. So um, I think it's impossible do you have cards that don't do it a little bit unless you're doing a different kind of foiling? So there's like stamp foiling and cold foiling and all sorts of stuff. And who knows what they'll do for future sets. But um, I'm I'm choosing to be optimistic because this was yeah. a, a a small sample size and we got mixed results. Right. The pack stuff looked good. The, it was just the promos here. So but I yes, agree. That is a concern. That's a it's a valid concern, especially when you talk about competitive integrity. Exactly. And I and I and it would be silly of me not to address the fact that, you know, not everything is always rose colored glasses, that certain things can potentially have, you know, some flaws to them. And that was a concern of mine, because as somebody who is not a foil or vanity collector, this is a game that I think I might want to be that I might want to collect the hyperspaces and the the foil variants of things and and if that's a case, that's something that we gotta see. But yeah, and I, I understand and I hope that everyone out there understands as well that it has to do with the climate and the environment and that's where it goes. The best thing to do is just double sleeve them, put them in a deck box, make sure they're nice and tight. Never an issue. Uh beyond that, there was the discussion of these like store championships and the prizes involved. And this is one thing that I think is pretty badass because they showed the Mace Windu, which I'll put on screen for everybody to see, your like store champion card, which is so cool to see. Anything that has this uniqueness, this embossed kind of extra foiling to say, hey, this is earned. This isn't pulled. That is something very cool because earned cards typically become more coveted and more valuable. And what's interesting for me, Charmer, is beyond the fact that there's a store championship, there's a finalist. So if you finished second, there's a top four and a top eight. And if you win, you get all of them. So you collect the whole sweep. And that's pretty damn cool. And I think that this is extra enticement. And I had this, I literally had this discussion about Lorcana on the podcast I recorded which is a Quest for 20 podcast. I highly recommend you go check it out. Um, we talked about what brings people in, and I said, it's not about stickers and and stuff. I'm like, as soon as there's a game with winners and losers, people are going to want to find out how they can be better and how they can win and how they can compete. And But they also want something to compete for. And these store championship promos, dude, I don't think there's going to be a week or a month where I'm going to be like, I, 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 I can pass on this. I want to go and at least score myself a top eighter of whatever that particular card is. Not to mention, hey, if, I, if I'm the finalist, I get top eight, top four, and finalist, I get my play set. But if I'm going to be a finalist, I might as well win the whole damn thing, right? Like, well, so here, here's the fun part. One, I think that obviously everybody's going to want the champion one because that's going to be the most coveted. Uh, but for me personally, 
the ones that I put in my decks, I only want to put in ones I've earned just because then, I don't know, it feels more authentic to me. So I do think that's really cool. With one exception, I will, likely because they're also going to be cheaper than, say, the champion ones, but I will chase down play sets of every finalist version of every card so that when you and I get to teach Tannen the game, I will hand him <laughs> the second place deck. It's only finalist, never champion, because he's captain coming second. I will do that as a bit just to see the look on his face. That is that's pretty good. I, I am all about that. I think that I, I, I will help you on that on that journey. Uh, I like what you mentioned about I, I want I will only play the cards I've earned. And I had this discussion actually about flesh and blood related prizes and cards. For example, um, selling a gold foil card. But even beyond that, like when a player wins a pro tour, they get a special uh, version of the hero they won with with pro tour champion, whatever city just foiled onto it it's a one of one and those cards i have seen pre-sold for a, a more than you think that they sold for like i'm talking 30 or forty thousand dollars. like deals cut before matches are played to be like if you win it i'm buying it for this agree perfect awesome i have no problem selling a card that i earn because you cannot take away the fact that I earn that card. I don't care who has it in their possession, but when it comes down to it, I won it, baby. And when people look back on who won that card, it's my name. So I'll take the money and the glory. You can have the trophy. That's kind of where I'm at with this kind of stuff. Not that these, I don't think that these championship cards are going to go for a lot unless it's a very playable card. I think that in that case, you get, you like people will want the championship versions and they might, be significant who knows i've also seen participation prizes from one piece tournaments turn around and sell for 200 dollars. you know like it's it's on it's obscene what people will pay for but that's kind of where i'm at with that and then you know what else, you know what else there is though and these are something that i will never earn but i will absolutely buy oh these are so beautiful i'm glad that you brought these up because these are probably going to be even more coveted the judge promos so they're they're going to talk about uh they mentioned that they will release judging schools and judge programs etc out there which is super important because that's something that Lorcana also doesn't have um but friends if you do it if you are part of the judge program and you judge an event you will get as part of your compensation a very unique card and it's very often playable and it is usually the rarest variant of whatever card that will be and the one that they showed us i believe was takedown yes and it is the hyperspace foil embossed judge well yeah i was gonna say it's not even hyperspace because hyperspace has like the streaky lines and then for anything that is event based, it's like a blur um, or like a vignette almost, right? Like it fades. So it's actually not quite the same. And I do like that there is a distinction because hyperspace is anything that comes out of packs. And then these, both the Mace Windu, um, the takedown card. And in the past, they've also, I think, showed off a couple of other of the event based stuff as well. Uh, but these have like a, a like a softer edge, but I still think it looks outstanding. And then obviously you have the like judge stamping as well. Oh, and I forgot to mention Mace Windu is a legendary. 
like yeah you score yourself a legendary card in the rarest format uh, in the rarest form that i've seen so far so i i will say this about these announcements everybody was concerned about this game and the longevity and the investment that ffg was going to put into it and as somebody who hasn't really played many ffg games if not any frankly i was i was very concerned that this might be what everyone else was kind of worried about which was you know a two or three year endeavor and then kind of put away everything that i have seen here has been to entice invest and support a competitive scene a community and to reward people for exploring and committing to the game their commitment is put forth through things like this and this really instills a lot more confidence in me that the fact that they're like hey we don't have to do this because you're probably going to buy the game anyways but we're doing it anyways because we have we trust that we want we want to show you that we care as much as you care right now and that is important to a game and I know that this is a Star Wars Unlimited podcast, but I have been critical of certain elements of Star Wars Unlimited in the past, as I have been critical of every other game that I have a, I've had a podcast about. Honesty is something that I have been tr- I've very much tried to embody: integrity, honesty, etc. I I am very excited about this because of every little thing that they have shown us that shows that they give a crap about the the player base, the rules. It's not just a reskin of another game. It's a lot of great elements of of existing rule sets that coalesce into what this is, which is amazing. And I I'm, I'm I don't want to gush too much about it, but these judge promos, the the championship things, these aren't championship cards being printed of commons. These are legendary cards that you can win by going to your weekly event, your FNM, your armory, your whatever. I'm so freaking just like gung ho about this. I, yeah, like I'm I don't know. I'm extra to- excited. I don't know what else to say. I'm kind of speechless because I I am very excited and I am dying. It, oh, um, all right. Oh, take a deep breath. I am almost overwhelmed every time I think about the fact that the game is about to come out because we've been covering it for so long, like basically since they came public with the announcement, we've been doing this podcast. It's going to feel weird actually doing this when we can play the game for the first time. And we've got official launch on March 8th, pre-releases March 1st, and more fun on February 10th. But I think before we dive into that part, we, we should probably talk about the six cards that were... Yeah. revealed and then and then we'll talk about the community event as well that we are so excited that we can actually finally uh share with you all but since the last time we recorded there has been six more cards spoiled from set one spark of the rebellion and uh, i'll just lead us off starting with Baze malbus this is a four cost ground unit vigilance so just solo vigilance big fan of this card uh, has a 2-5 stat line, also has grit. And then I love this. It has a Sentinel while you have initiative. So there's been some other cards that care about initiative that have been spoiled or revealed so far, but 
I'm a big fan of any of these cards that are situational with how they control the board. So like the fact that this one is sentinel while you have initiative means that you have to make that decision of if my opponent still has resources and actions left, I can pass my turn early to guarantee I get initiative and thus have sentinel, but also I'm giving up any sort of uh, tempo or response or advantage if my opponent continues to develop and then I might be in a pickle in the next turn starts or I can, you know, push and push and push and then I might lose out on getting the initiative token, right? So uh, I love this card. Um, big fan of the character, obviously, in Rogue One. Huge fan of the design of this and uh, really surprised it was just single aspect too, just vigilance. It's a great card. Uh, two five stat line, four cost, so so. But ultimately, the grit part with a five body makes it a lot more formidable. And like you mentioned, I love cards that play with other dynamics of the game, with other elements of the game. And the initiative token is going to be so important. And I love it because you can do something along the lines of like play your turns. And as soon as something happens, you might be like, all right, we're shutting the door. And I'm just going to grab the initiative. And suddenly he's a sentinel. And now things change. And now you have to get through him before you get to me. And that's a part of uh, Baze Malbus that I'm, I'm pretty hyped for. And single aspect, again, I'm beginning to believe that the best decks are going to be double aspect decks. It's going to be heroism, double vigilance, heroism, double command, or or villainy, double cunning, or something like that. I, I think that that's where it's going, or at least an equal part are going to be tri-aspect uh, tri and dual aspect. That's where I'm at with that. I'm glad you mentioned shutting the door, because the way that this reads... And, you know, with the way I interpret the rules right now, you can have scenarios where if your opponent at the start of the turn had the initiative token and then you play Bayes, and then if they take an action and then you pass your turn to take the initiative token, I believe that turns Sentinel on right away. Because when you take the initiative, you literally take the token. Now, granted, you're done taking actions for the turn, but like you can kind of, as you said, shut the door on somebody after you deploy him, which I think is really neat. Uh, next up is going to be a two-drop Vigilance ground unit called Guardian of the Wills. So we're talking Smith, uh, Forte, uh, Will, uh, I Am. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other Wills. Um, either way. Yeah, you got to help me out here. Don't leave me to dry. <laughs> I have to dry on oh, this. Oh, Sorry. Uh, once you got to Will, I am. I was. Right. I, I was out. We're done. Also, I, I got to be honest. Uh, I I don't know why, but I was immediately thinking of like Wills that you don't want to mention, or like I was the the third or fourth down my line was Wilkes Booth, and I was like, well, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, it is a two-two anyway. force fringe ground unit. The first upgrade you play on this unit each round costs one less. So a little bit of Voltron-esque type things. You just keep stacking it up and stacking it up. It's not intimidating as a 2-2 two -two for two. But it as a 2-2 two -two with a free upgrade on it, and every turn you just beef it up and beef it up, I feel like, remember yet last episode, last week we are talking about how I felt like Vigilance was going to be all about these big beefed up heroes, like, it's not about getting the work done by multiple different ways. It's just one beefed up or two beefed up characters that are going to carry the, the, 
the majority of the load. This might be a sort of a lower tier thing where as you're building up to that six or seven or eight drop that you want to build up, this you can start dropping a whole bunch of stuff on it. I don't know if that's going to be a playable uh, archetype, but that seems like the baseline. Well, what immediately jumped out to me with this card is the fact that it doesn't say minimum of one. Because at first I was like, well, it's it's only the first upgrade you play and it has to target this unit. So I was very underwhelmed. And granted, it is a single aspect common, so it's perhaps not meant to be the most overwhelming unit. But then I started thinking about situations where because it's a two drop, you can play it turn one, right? Because you start with two research. So if you're talking about a turn one play where you can play this and then follow it up with something like resilient a 2-5 on turn one feels really good, right? Because you got that free upgrade, essentially, and now you're going into the next turn with a ball of stats. Or uh, maybe you drop it into 2-2 two -two and you play Protector, because it's already in Vigilance, so you can play the double aspects. If you play Protector and go into that first turn with a 3-3 three -three Sentinel, right? And then on the next turn, also continue to jam more upgrades on it. So uh, it, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal right now, but this is a card that... As we get more sets and perhaps as upgrades become a, a more dedicated card in decks or even more dedicated to archetypes, if you will, it could end up being really, really cool down the line. Uh, but I do see the potential power. Like I said, a turn one, two, five is very enticing. If you have the pieces. Yeah, if you have the pieces. That's the hard part, right? Um, speaking of pieces. <laughs> <laughs> well... This guy's got uh, lots of pieces that he's going to be putting in your hand. Yes. Uh, the next card that was revealed was General Krell. This is a five-cost ground unit. Double command for the aspects. Five-force stat line. Force, Jedi, and Republic. And the text says, each other friendly unit gains. When defeated, you may draw a card. Okay. This card this is, is... This is your swarm powerhouse. <laughs> yeah, this card is great. This card is very good. Um, the stat line leaves a little bit to be desired, but it definitely trades. Uh, it is one of those cards that, like you mentioned, will operate best when it's in conjunction with some weenies that you want to... You play this, you attack with other things, you reap the benefits, and all that jazz... But ultimately, it's like organic Grievous, you know, forearms and lightsabers and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a great card, and I think that everybody hates this guy, and in in the show, and you're probably gonna hate him in this game too. Yeah, I will say, you know, you talked about the stats. The four health is potentially concerning, but one of the other bits that jumps out to me is that. He has a lot of very relevant tags as well. So again, as we get more sets, we get more support. The fact that he's a force and a Jedi and a Republic unit, I think that's going to end up mattering a ton in the future as well. The Republic part, because, you know, as we start hitting, you know, prequels and Clone Wars stuff, there's probably going to be a bunch of Republic troopers. There might be like a Republic trooper swarm deck. Obviously, force and Jedi means that you can run lightsabers and whatever you want on him. Like, he's got a lot of upside. Um, should we move on to the next one? Yeah, I'll oh. let you do it, but I, I'll 
just give the teaser the the preface that this is one of my favorite cards that has been revealed just from a design standpoint it's so cool yeah i agree uh, it is a four cost space unit cunning it is strafing gunship you have heard me in early episodes talk about how i would love for a um a ground support aerial aerial unit to do some sort of cross lane shenanigans and here it is I thought it was going to be a Z95 headhunter like Talus Squadron or something like that to be more thematic, but this is possibly the opener that we're going to see for future cards down the line that will have similar nonsense like this, which is basically it's a 3-4 underworld vehicle fighter, a space unit. This unit can attack units in the ground area. While this unit is attacking a ground unit, the defender gets minus two, minus zero. You are trading so efficiently with this against all the weenies that come out and the mid the mid-range stuff. This thing is so freaking good. So freaking good. I think that this card is a must-have in cunning decks. Cause a three-four for four is so so. The four body feels good. I think that this card is just gonna be a terror for certain decks. It might be a side car, a sideboard card, but ultimately the strafing gunship is not only a good card, it is good design. It is flavorful design. It is what I want to see out of this card game and it's what makes me think that the people designing this game have the right idea. Yeah. That's why it's one of my favorite cards thematically, because the design is absolutely on point. I love that it's cunning because the thing that it does is is cunning, right? Like you are coming from a completely different arena to take a unit out. I love that it's an air unit that can attack ground units. We've talked about that a lot on this podcast and how we kind of wanted to see some of this cross arena interaction. I also like it because as the game progresses, again, we're just on the cusp of set one, but you know, when we get sets three, four, five, six, or whatever, we're deep into, you know, year two of the game. You're going to see a lot of different stuff pop up. You're obviously going to see Rebel decks and Jedi decks and all of those things, but you're also going to see kind of other weird niche takes on deck building like you might just want to be like, I only want to build a deck with starships. I'm not going to even put ground units in it. It's just starships and then like events to deal with the ground. And if you want to do something like that and be thematic, you want to be like the leader of a fleet. Well, this card helps you with some of those theme deck building elements as well. And I think that's something that, there are, at times, uh, other card games that kind of fail to grasp that sometimes throwing in cards for theme be- deck building is really important because you get weirdos like me that want to just, like, go on their own adventure and build a deck with only spaceships, for example. And I I adore this card. It's a great-looking card. It's a great, great card. All right, bring us to the next one, which I think is going to be um, an absolute house. Yeah, the next card has fantastic art, speaking of spaceships, but it is an event. It is a one-cost event, has command and heroism for the aspects, and it says attack with a rebel unit. It gets plus one, plus zero for this attack. Then attack with another rebel unit. It gets plus one, plus zero for this attack. This is, I think, going to be mandatory in your Hera decks because all your Spectre units are also rebels, and it's already in her aspect setup but in a swarm deck in a 
you know, Princess Leia deck, as we talk about some of the common leaders, this card is a very big deal, but this also has a lot of finisher potential because it's two different attacks. If you get to the nitty gritty where you and your opponent are at low health and your opponent is saying, all right, you know, mentally, if I take this action and then he does this and then I can win on the backswing, like we're good. So they do that. And then you're like, oh, by the way, I attack twice with two different units. You just snatch, you know, victory away from your opponent. I, I love this card. This is very well done. It costs one. Costs one. It costs one. You have to play around one resource, which is unreal. Because again, um, we have basically over time had talked about how these rebel decks, these trooper decks with Leia as the leader are going to be a lot of weenies that get a lot of experience, shield tokens, upgrades, etc. Help on from commanders um, and tribal leaders. But ultimately, this is the card that it needed. Uh, because you can go attack with a little weenie doofus that trades upwards or busts a shield or does something crazy. And you attack with the second part of the text with Leia, who then allows for a third unit to attack. So now you're chaining together all kinds of nonsense. And like you mentioned, if your opponent's playing around one attack but not three, well, you're SOL because this can be really difficult to deal with because especially if your play if your opponent is kind of like slow playing it and playing these low cost things and suddenly there's like one resource left and you think you got a free pass and then rebel assault comes in as an uncommon to just go ahead and blow you up this way that's tough that is absolutely tough and what's what i really am hoping that this game will eventually or will will design around is um Hearthstone came out with a brand new mini expansion this past week. One of the cards it came out with was like, give uh, one of your units like Wind Fury, uh, Divine Shield, Rush. And, and it was like, everybody's like, oh, great. I can't wait to lose to this on turn four because we were losing to Paladins on turn five. So now this just sort of makes it turn four with this card. And that's kind of what I worry about. I don't want to see a situation where it's just a whole bunch of swarm, and if you can't clear the board consistently, one unit can get a massive push of an upgrade or something like Rebel Assault to just drive it home. I think that this is the right amount of chaining stuff together because, again, we see Rebel into Leia into other Rebel. That's that's a nasty little combination, and for one resource charmer, how the hell do you play around that? I I mean, I think that you have to pay attention to the aspects. So this is the other reason that I'm a big fan of this card, right? Because normally you would say, all right, if I'm playing against a Command Heroism deck and they got a bunch of weenies, I just have to keep it in the back of my mind. Clearly, they're probably running this. But this is definitely something where, you know, if I'm playing an aggressive Heroism deck that's not Command, like maybe I'm double aggression Heroism, this might still be worth paying three for oh, yeah. to catch your opponent off guard. Oh, yeah. Because if you can attack with like Sabine and something else, then, you know, they might be taking so much. Uh, so like imagine it's Sabine and a partisan insurgent, right? Which is another rebel. That's the one where when, when you control another uh, aggression unit, it uh, gets raid two, right? It's the one four, right? So you could be sitting on a, a board where it's like, oh, it's just... Sabine and a partisan insurgent, and then all of the sudden I, I spend three resources because I'm playing something out of aspect, but my opponent takes eight. Like that's a big burst, just kind of out of left field 
to be stuck planning around. So uh, this this card is scary. It's very scary. It's very scary, but not quite as annoying, let's say, as the next one, Charmer, which is a trick. So Jabba getting a little grubby, grubby mitts on another trick, which is a seven-cost villainy cunning event. I had no choice, Charmer, is what Lando is wants to say. You always had a choice, Lando Calrissian, you scumbag. Um, <laughs> choose up to two non-leader units. An opponent chooses one of those units. Return that unit to the hand, the opponent's hand, the other at the bottom of the opponent's deck. So it's a two-for-one removal piece for seven or six if you're playing uh, Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. Um, look, we'll let you we'll let you all just um, basically um, digest this. This is this is a brutality of a card. So this card is very very good for a couple of reasons, but it's also situational. I I really love the design of this. Um, what I like about this card is that it pays off the more behind you are in many ways because you get more value the more expensive the units are that you get to pick because they're going to be able to bounce one and if if you pick like a one drop in something else then they might just bounce the one drop to replay it or who or you know who knows maybe they'll keep the more expensive one to replay it and send the one drop away but the point is is either of those scenarios they're not too far behind on tempo but if you get like two five drops for example then you one way or the other, are putting them way behind. The other reason this card is really, really brutal, and the reason I enjoy it is because there's a lot of cards that say, like, when defeated, and neither of these are when defeated. So you get around some of those, like, on-death triggers because going back to your hand is not defeated, and putting you on the bottom is not defeated. So this is also an answer to uh, a number of you know, bad situations where you don't want to deal with the when defeated. You know, I'm thinking about General Krell that we just talked about, or, you know, you go back to like the Obi-Wans or the Yodas that have pretty good undefeated effects as well. And not only that, but like this is a situation where there could be a potential where one of the cards that you want to bounce back, it might be big, but it might have a significant on play effect. For example, like the reinforcement walker, like you could bounce on a reinforcement walker. It's a big, it's a big card. And they might say, all right, I'm going to put this back in hand and put this other thing away because I want to replay the reinforcement walker and heal three damage or draw a card or do some stuff, right? Like there's like all kinds of options here for that. Um, I still think it's going to be unreasonably annoying to deal with where, but that is cunning. That is just going to be cunning. Cunning is blue and magic. I, I like it's That's all it is. It is going to bother the hell out of you. <laughs> you're going to hate playing against it. And if you are a cunning player, you're going to think that you're, the bee's knees, the the cat's cat's ass, I think is the saying. Is that what it is? No. No, it's not the cat's ass? No. I think I've heard that before. <laughs> I question your choices of companions. Well, listen up. <laughs> listen up. If any of you wampas out there have ever heard the term the cat's ass, that please... Let us well, know we're gonna in the chat. For sure now, we're going to have people walking up and be like, hey, man, I think Ice Cave Radio is the cat's ass, and I'm going to have to hear that now <laughs> every every event we go to. Yes. I played I Had No Choice on two gigantic things, and I think that card's the cat's ass. <laughs> I swear, Charmer, I have heard this somewhere. I don't know 
yeah. Was, was this something that was like a fever dream while Possibly, you were at a but that's a, club? But dude, that's most of what I say. If you've ever heard me casting, which you have because we've worked together many times, I say some dumb stuff. Um, I but I'm I am certain I have heard the term, and I'm not going to Google it because I want I want no. other people to figure no. it out for uh, me. All right. Uh, emergency pack. Yeah, uh, let's... I, I have emergency packs. They just don't happen to be for this game. I have. Um, I was doing my pack of the month club for my um, Instant Speed podcast Patreon, so I have some spare loose packs, but they're not Star Wars, so we don't open them on this stream. All right. Well, I I was saying it because here in the near future we're going to actually have emergency packs. Well, and can this I ask is a good transition? Yes, it is a great transition because we are um honored and delighted and privileged to be invited myself, Charmer and Doa um, amidst a myriad of other incredible creators and people to celebrate the launch of the game in Minneapolis on February 10th. We're going to have a wonderful time getting to know everybody. And we are going to be broadcasting, not us, but FFG is going to be broadcasting a bunch of drafts, sealed experiences, interviews, chats, things like that, um, and bringing to you the game and hopefully some big pulls, some exciting moments. But I'm asking you, Charmer, if we get, if they're like, hey, as a parting gift, here's a box, will you have the fortitude to not open it? and have some emergency packs that is the question charmer i don't know it (laughs) yeah oh oh yeah see it because i mean look i would like to say yes no problem but it might depend because you and i both know that i have a really severe gambling gambling problem yeah and so if if you know we do a sealed or whatever and i and i don't open anything super cool like i don't open a sabine or something i might be on the hunt like we're open until we find a sabine but i would like to think that i will will keep if and we don't even know if that's going to be the case but i would like to think that if if we were gifted anything that i would be able to save it for emergency packs yeah or like you know we can just record we might be able to just we so look that happens on february 10th then we have two or three weeks worth of episodes before the launch. So maybe we just have to save like four packs, right? So you could open it all. You could just like, we can have like a, a we could record that, our openings. That's the cat's ass. No, see, that is taking the assumption that we will only get off the rails once per episode. Yeah, you're right. You have not yet, you have not yet reserved to the fact that it might be two or three times per episode. We have to have emergency. Packs. We need to have an emergency to the emergency pack. Like, I feel like the yeah. emergency pack button should be limited to two. Because, again, yeah. at the same time, I can't go broke because I can't keep myself on the rails, right? Well, no, right. Like you have a parachute and an emergency chute. So yes, that track. That's and then fair. after that, we're, we're just splat on the concrete, Perfect. I guess. But. So how about this? We just have a, we, we parse it out and we like, okay, we have four episodes before the official launch or before we can get our hands on product. So let's get two packs per, put them in the back pocket, save them for the emergency pack situation, yeah. which you know we're going to need. There we go. All right. But also, that is obviously, you know, again, assuming that we get anything. What we do know is that we will be able to play, as you said, right? You know, they've told us that there's going to be, you know, sealed and, and draft and things like that. Uh, and we will be live on stream 
Um, we're also, I know, as part of this, going to have access to some of the devs for interviews and things. So I will be, uh, you know, bringing some recording equipment. Um, this will also be, at least since, you know, we started the show, uh, the first time that the three of us will be in the same place because our schedules are chaos and we haven't actually done that yet. So uh, we are for sure, I don't know what yet, but you know, I think it would be a crime if we don't film something that's, you know, you yeah. and me and Eric all in person. So I've got my equipment as well. Like, well, I invested in a laptop that can handle this stuff. Like that was, that was part of it. Uh, so yeah, we will, we'll definitely be able to bring you a lot of that stuff. And on this whole topic of the celebrational, this is, or like I call it the celebrational, um, this celebration of the launch of the game, this community, you know, coming together and such. I, I do want to say that I, I was lucky enough to come from the flesh and blood celebrational event a week in, in uh, a little over a week in New Zealand to celebrate the five year anniversary of the game. What this does, I cannot, I cannot overstate how important it is for the community to coalesce, because I have been parts of a part of other card game communities where schisms occur and it becomes a comp a competitive element within the game itself, which it's so greasy, it's so unfortunate, but from everything I've seen of this community, from every interaction. It is just support, support, support. Rising tide raises all shifts. Uh, ships, be it Swoo DB, be it uh, you know uh, a, a, the Spice Squadron and you know Garbage Rollers and, and everybody else who is out there. Saga and all the other podcasts, all the other entities that support this game. I get asked this a lot over my journey, and maybe it's happened to you as well. When it comes to like, oh, how do you? What do you think of like this podcast or this podcast? I'm like, we're all friends. Like, at least from my perspective, we're all friends. And it's funny because a lot of the people who come on my other podcasts are have their own podcasts. And it's not like a competition. It's like we're all there pulling in the same direction. We all want the same thing. We want this game to succeed because the game's success also means our own success. And it also means that we get to enjoy something that we we love for a longer period of time. This celebration of the game, this launch party, is so cool because we, you and I and Doa, we knew this, we knew about it for a little while now and we got to talk to some of the people who are also were invited and it was all just like, when are you flying in? We should go grab a beer. We should go grab a, a coffee. Let's go jam some games. I'll print out some cards. Let's do this. Let's do that. From the get-go, Charmer, it was all about yeah, it was literally like, how do we land and play in the lobby with like printed off cards before we even get our fingers on stuff, right? Um, and also just other uh, stuff that pops up. Like you said, right? Everybody is kind of friends and there is um, a professional respect there as well. So it could be anything from like, hey, I don't have recording equipment. What do you recommend if I wanted to get some to bring for this trip? That sort of thing. Um, yeah, there was a lot of discourse and just overall excitement. I can't begin to express how shocked I was when I very first got the the email that was mentioning this to us just because it is very rare. Now, I've covered a lot of card games in my time. It is very rare 
that they do something like this before a launch. This is usually something you do like as a one year celebration of your game or whatever. And the fact that, you know, FFG uh, Fantasy Flight Games is doing this, you know, ahead of it to, you know, recognize the people that are already, you know, kind of sharing their their love and their excitement for the game is is kind of a really big deal. Um, there, there's just not a lot of that where it's like, hey, before the, the game launches, we're going to bring a bunch of people out and whatever. So, well, the uh, the Flesh and Blood Celebrational, there was a lot of people from all over the world that got to meet up um, people that you kind of have these odd relationships through tweets and likes and the fact that, hey, we both like the same thing and we both are aware of each other, but you never really get to interact and you finally do because you're in the same foreign city together experiencing the same thing that you and then but the problem is is like after you dig past the surface of hey we both like this card game that's when you get into do do i like you what are you about and i was blessed to say that everybody at that celebrational in new zealand were phenomenal people and you wanted to talk to them and i get that vibe with this community and what's interesting also is that I'm not naive to think that every that this community is immune to any type of toxicity or that kind of stuff. But I am so confident in this community that if there are those types of people or groups or such that might bubble up, that this is a community that will kind of self-police to the degree of like, hey, that we don't do that here. You know, like this isn't a, a competition. It's a we're all in this together. And that's the vibe I'm getting. And I really hope that that continues because I have been in both both pools. One that was peed in repeatedly by awful people and the other one where we're all just, you know, having having laughs and, and know that we're all there to for the same the same reason. And that's what I want to be around. Well, I have bad news for you. If if it, this is a pee joke. No. I was just going to say this this is Star Wars baby. So, oh, well, at some point we're going to have yeah. a difference of opinion it, it because will. of Star Wars and it'll be about, you know, our love of this wonderful wonderful world and universe that we like to throw ourselves into. And there will be fights probably between even you and I. And you know what's going to happen, don't you? And lightsaber fight in the parking lot. Oh, that's how we settle everything. That's how we settle it. That's yes. what I'm saying. Like, it's just going to be, we're, we're going to have uh, a duel at dawn with our yeah. lightsabers. And then we'll we'll go back to being friends. But that's how we're settling can, it. Can it be after lunch? I don't want to wake up at dawn to fight you in a no, parking No, man, lot. I don't want to fight after I've eaten. I, if I got a full stomach, I'm going to be 10.30 a.m., fight in the parking lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After and my coffee. Brunch. Yeah, then we get brunch. Uh, see? All right. And everybody's invited, okay? That's the fact. And for the record, if you if you see us, any of us Wampa idiots anywhere, come say hi. We wanna we wanna meet you. We wanna talk to you. We you love that. We think that's the cat's ass. <laughs> it's a saying. I swear, it's a saying. Okay. Well, it is now. <laughs> On that note, charmer. <laughs> Oh, just oh, bring us into the the question period. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. If, yeah. Uh, if somebody approaches you at an event <laughs> yeah. and they're holding a lightsaber and they say, 
I would like to duel you in the parking lot. And as you look up from their lightsaber to their face, you see it's Samuel L. Jackson. What do you say to that? I'd be like, oh, you were the cat's ass in... (laughs) In in Pulp Fiction, man. Um, But also knowing just how absolutely devastating he is with a lightsaber, I would say... I have a very bad feeling about this. I got a bad feeling about this. I have a bad feeling about this. I've got a bad feeling about it. Quiet. All right, so we have a wonderful question this week in our bad feeling mailbag. This comes from Larry H. Larry, we love your questions when you send them in. Friend of the show. Yep. Thanks, as always. Says, hello, fellow ice cave dwelling hosts. Sorry for the double question this week and two different methods of contact. Well, we're only doing the one this week because we're trying to save some for when Doa gets back. He's got to catch up on his homework. But I really liked this one, so we're going with this one. Sure. Uh, here's the question. When Finn gets a leader or a unit card, do you think it could have the force tag? I know a story wasn't explored as much as maybe we wanted but I thought I'd spark the discussion, obviously, because he very famously has the lightsaber and a lot of people thought that's where it was going to go. Uh, follow up to this. He also says, which aspect would he be and what do you think he would do with force or without a force tag? Holy crap. Oh, Larry, you bastard. See, I thought this was a good question. This is an incredible question. Yes, he has the force tag. And that's me being selfish. And and this has actually been popping up a lot more in social media the fact that you know there's that meme of like the two biceps and in the middle it's like and one of them says people who hate the sequel trilogy people who love the sequel trilogy and in the middle it's people who think that um finn got a raw deal and i i tend to agree because i thought i i i enjoyed the force awakens for all things that may have been a little bit questionable and like a, a whole planet turning into a weapon is like, okay, I'll, I'll bite. What really got me into it was the Kylo Ren Vader arc of living mm-hmm. up to Vader's, you know, image and the obsession there. And Finn basically just going from stormtrooper to Jedi. The message there to me was doesn't matter who you are. There's greatness in everybody if you take a stand and and then I wanted him to at, maybe not be a Jedi by the end of this of the sequel trilogy, but maybe start Jedi training at the end of it. Because he had the lightsaber, he was you know, there was so much going there, and I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty of it. I'm giving him a yes. And part of it is because they kind of dug into the it doesn't matter who you are part when you see at the end of TLJ when that slave boy goes and yoinks the the broom with the force. Mm-hmm. It's like it doesn't matter who you are. And they talk about that because it's like they even went down that route with, with Ray of, no, your parents were were – junk traders and they left you and now you're a jedi or you're training like there was so many there there was a lot of foundational stuff in force awakens yeah i'm i'm with you i overall 
enjoyed it. Um, you know, like you, I probably have some things that I would nitpick here or there, but I still stand by. Uh, I, I'm with you. One, I think when you just look at Force Awakens, I think Finn was the most interesting character by far um, because we had never really seen, at least on that level, on that scale, um, the side of the stormtrooper. They'd never been humanized, right? Like, yes, they're people and they're in the armor, but they've never been like, oh, there's people on the inside of that, right? I think that if I'm being entirely honest, um, Finn and like the acceptance of him as a character is one of the reasons why uh, we got the show that we got in Andor, where you start to explore what it's like to be on both sides, right? Because Andor does a great job with the rebellion, but also has been showing us the inner workings of what it's like to be within the Empire. Um, I, I think Finn's arc was drastically underdeveloped. It was so interesting. And I still think that the opening to that movie is outstanding. Like when they come down and you have Finn having the panic attack and Kylo stopping the bolt with Poe and everything about that, like sucked me in. Like that was a great opener. So um, I say that Finn, the leader card does not have the force tag, but Finn, the legendary ground unit does have the force tag. And that's going to be art with him holding the lightsaber or whatever. I like that. And I, I think that Finn, the leader unit is heroism and cunning. And I think it's cunning because I don't really think he's vigilant. Like he spends a lot of that first movie trying to actually run away from his responsibility, but he's like, he's a survivor. So I think he fits well into, into the cunning, you know? Um, and he's definitely not aggression. Um, don't think he's really command. So I think, I think he's heroism cunning on his leader card probably does something like saving your ground units or bouncing them back to your hand. Uh, and then maybe you replay them a little bit cheaper so that he does something cool thematically with the idea of running away, right? Like you live to fight another day because you run away sort of thing. I think that fits Finn from that first film pretty well. Um, and then the, the force version, um, I don't know. I, I think there's a couple of different ways you could go there because I, I think he might have like ambush cause he kind of catches you by surprise. You're like, Oh, dude's got a lightsaber. Didn't see that coming. Um, yeah, that, that's my initial thoughts. Obviously, I'd flesh it out and whatever, but... I like it. Uh, I No notes. No notes. I'm not going to add any notes to that. I'm going to take a look quickly here to see... Do we have any other submissions? I think we do. Well, uh, I know we have at least another one from Larry. Oh, yeah. Um, I think the other one was from Twitter, if I remember right. Uh, make it happen. What do we got from Larry? Well, I didn't have it pulled up. I just oh. remember seeing okay, it. Well, I only let, had. Let me have one a look pulled. here, because I did put something out. Um, let me see. Do we have any questions? Uh, Jedi Geek Girl says, "Wampas, are you guys saying that you guys are hairy, like cold, eats raw meat, and are aggressive individuals?" Yes. Well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Um. Oh, here's one. NTQ asks, I've commissioned the three of you to each make one card that has not been revealed yet, including character, uh, including character so you uh, can't make Krell. All right. Uh, what would that card be, and what would it do, and the aspect cost? So you just created, I mean, you just created Finn, which is great. I will, yeah. sa I will say... I will say, I'm going to create the dude 
that has like the crowd control baton. They they traitor. Like, yeah, they uh, canonically I forgot his trooper tag, but they call him TR eight, like R. You know, like traitor. I will say that I'm gonna create that character. It's a uh, it's a trooper, and basically it says if you it gets plus uh plus one plus one. Or it's like a, it's like a, I'll say it's a, it's a three drop three, three that gets plus one plus two when it's fighting something of the same aspect as it. Yeah. I mean, I got to do that. just popped in my head. Like I, it obviously needs some work. I would say it's villainy. Maybe it's like if it's attacking, if it's attacking something with, uh, with heroism or it's attacking something with the same aspect. Like it has villainy as well, or it gets plus one plus one for every aspect it shares with whoever it's attacking. Because it's, they were on the same side, but now they're not. And it's so hard because like, if you're just talking about any any character that doesn't have a card yet, there's so many that I am like dying to see in future sets that Maz it's Kanata. almost hard to, it's almost hard to pick one. Like yeah, Maskanada is a great one, but I mean even just think of like. We don't have uh, Ahsoka or Asajj Ventress or, you know, Queen Amidala yet or General Grievous, right? There's all of oh. that Clone Wars prequel era stuff. And then from the new movies as well, like Captain Phasma is another character I'd yeah. love to see have a card. Let's, um, let, we're going to dig deep here. I want to go to some episode one stuff like Captain Panaka and Rick Ollier. Uh, Watto? Watto for sure. But I'm talking about a a trooper captain. And a ace pilot. Like, that's what I want to see. Yeah. We, uh, did we get a wedge? We did get a wedge. Mm, yeah, I'm pretty sure we got a wedge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, what well, we didn't get like a a hobby. We didn't get a, a we didn't get a Wes Jansen. I mean, just for the sake of Doa, I know he's not here, but I can channel him. Like, we need all the pod racing stuff. Like, we need a Sebulba. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we need like a whole I wonder if there's ever gonna be add-ons, like how Star Wars CCG like added an entire new mechanic of pod racing which just changed the whole game i don't know if they're gonna be that ambitious but i mean we've got uh boba fett and i'm sure we'll get mandalorian at some point but Django fett he he deserves his flowers definitely definitely um i mean there's you tons know, again, talking, like there's no kylo Ren or ray or you know all of the like main stuff from yeah and this is I mean, why i'm also very just there's small there's small doesn't even have a card dude there's plenty that don't have cards and i'm very okay with this because and this is another reason why i'm very confident in this game is that the source material is so vast so vast that it's all not right. it's not like oh well we're just gonna print another luke if i had to pick one though Okay. Like, yeah. let's say you, you only get one. You win some cool invitational. You get to design a unit. All right. Mm -hmm. If I had to pick one, it's not technically one character. It, it is multiple, but it's going to be one ground unit and it is the Max Rebo band. Because oh. we, I mean, we need the Jats in the universe, what about, man. What about Figrin Dan? We should have like a battle of the bands. Figrin Dan versus Max Rebo. Yeah. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. All right, that does it. Let's close the mailbag there, Charmer, as we say thank you again to everybody who's listening to Ice Cave Radio and uh, welcoming all the new potential faces that might be joining us. Um, we do want to remind you 
the best way you can support us is just dropping a five-star review, subscribing to it. All that stuff is free, and it goes miles for us. It feeds the algorithm monster, and they are happy, and they do good things for us. So thank you for those who already have. And those who want to help us, go ahead and hit subscribe and give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to this. Um, we have received some inquiries about things like shirts, playmats, etc. Part of the rebrand is so that we can do these things. So the wheels are turning on that. And as such, we are also considering um, doing a Patreon, but we do not want to do a Patreon if it wasn't value to you as well. So once that gets going, we also will get going. But ultimately, your support means the world to us. So thank you, as always, for that. All right. If you want to uh, email us, you can do so at icecaveradio at gmail.com, at icecaveradio on Twitter. I am at WatchFlake. That is at ThatCharm3R. And somewhere out there is a force ghost called Doa, at GGDOA. Glad to have you. See you soon. Charmer wisdom now. May the force be with you.